We've got the got the starships team back together. I love it. This is it. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> exactly what we have. Of course, of course, this is going to be probably airing. I think by that time it'll be four weeks after Thomas Maroney was at the Star Trek season three premiere. <laughs> so Thomas, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But mm -hmm. uh, we're continuing our conversation about ships and all good things ships. Uh, I'm Michael Desmuka, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG, and also a blogger on Continuing Missions RPG, the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. PG. Uh, and of course, we have with us today, Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody, Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Medivius Entertainment, low these many years, and co-host on this here show with Michael, uh, going on 70 episodes now, something like that. It mm -hmm. feels like feels like just yesterday we started, but it's been a long time, and uh, it's hard to hard to fathom how the time has gone. It's, uh, it's been a long road. It has been a long road. <laughs> from, from here to there. <laughs> uh so anyway we're gonna talk about uh, all kinds of cool stuff tonight clearly we've got two all-star guests with us tonight so i want them to introduce themselves and we'll start with uh thomas awesome well uh thanks for having me uh, again it's it's glad to be it's good to be back um i am thomas maroney i'm the art director for star trek online and um i'm excited to say that uh, we've got some new star trek online ships appearing in star trek picard this season that yeah. uh, i work with the team to get uh, to get onto the show so um, i'm sure we'll, that'll come up later <laughs> as well so i'll oh. get over to you aaron um, I'm, yeah i'm aaron pallier um i've i'm a longtime star trek adventures freelance writer so yeah i'm like one of the starship and science technology engineering kind of guys Yes, and of course, Aaron and Thomas were huge in the Utopia Planitia release um, that we had last year. Um, that's a really big deal. Yep, and fingers crossed a couple of releases this year, too. So we'll see how that all works out. All right. So we've been doing an entirely popular series on character roles in Star Trek. We started with the doctors. We started the captain. We ticked it all the way down. And there was one character that all of a sudden is an epiphany we almost missed. But fortunately, we're not going to miss it because we're here to today to talk about the character of the ship. Gene Roddenberry and Gene Roddenberry's uh, uh, instructions, the play Bible or what do you call it? The ship Bible, whatever he had created. He actually gives clear-cut instructions that the ship is a character and should be treated as such. And so we thought it would be really cool for, for all of you out there um, who are GMs and players to think for a second, one, how are you incorporating your ship as a character? And two, are you thinking about going where no one has gone before and maybe possibly playing the ship mm -hmm. itself? We've heard uh, uh, some of uh, our, one of our show's producers, uh, Jeff, actually talked on his, they actually play the ship and it's a character. So we're diving into that today. I want to get thoughts all the way around about it for a ship as a character. Give us some words on it, Aaron. Let's start with you. Uh yeah, absolutely. A ship is a character because your ship is always there. When when you're on the ship for most of your adventures, the ship is around you. The ship has a sound. It has a feel. Um, 
And it, it doesn't matter if you have two different ships of the same class, they're not going to be the same. The people on board them are also going to change the ship to be unique and have its own flavor. Um, and that's what I really love writing when I get to write like a notable starship. And I, I actually get to, to really flesh it out. Like I was able to, in the, in the command book, lots of words and go, okay, how can I, was it the command book or was it gamma quadrant? Gamma quadrant was what, what, when I did that, like ships of the dominion war where I was able Mm -hmm. to like, Oh, here's the USS Sutherland and really detail out what makes the USS Sutherland unique. Um, how how it smells even because it's slightly different. They have like tropical plants on board because they're known as a party, a party <laughs> ship. So just because it's something that Dax always used to say, oh, those Sutherland guys, they really know how to party. Mm-hmm. So there's like luau's on board, things like that. Uh, so you're yeah, infusing give, each ship with its own personality. Yeah, nice. Exactly, exactly. I'll, Thomas. I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, no, we're going to get, really, we're pulling everything out of you we can in this hour. So Thomas, what about you? Uh, ship as a character. Yeah, I mean, I think the I you know I I thought a lot about this when I um, Jim was gracious uh, enough to um, uh, you know generous enough to to ask me to write the forward to um, the Utility Panacea source book and I I went through a few different drafts a few different angles on that and one of the you know and and it was all centered around the idea of a ship as a character um, and one of the the things I really kind of fixated on was that scene in Star Trek, the motion picture where I think we've talked about it before together as a group, but where you see the enterprise for the first time after the refit. And, and I think you learn a lot about Jim Kirk in that scene and the way that he reacts to seeing the enterprise again, you know, he sees her again for the first time. Right. It's, it's all, it's like, it's like he, he's, he's seeing um, the love of his life after they haven't spoken for 10 years and she's just as beautiful or even more beautiful than he remembered her. Right. Like that's the expression, like it's, it's subtle, but I mean, I really, you look at Shatner's face and like, he's playing it like that. Like he's seen a lover um, that uh, uh, again, um, he lost touch with you know and 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 in the director's cut they did something that was really cool to actually amplify this feeling which is they actually um they have the, there's a shot where you're just looking at kirk's expression in the original shot it's just his expression as he's like staring out the window in the director's cut they actually superimposed a reflection of the enterprise on top of it so that you see the enterprise sort of the object of his desire um while you know you're seeing this this look mm-hmm. on his face of of just sort of reverence and and you know and it and and it really is love like that is how he's feeling so so we learn about jim's kirk character through the way he relates the enterprise as another character and there there are lots of other examples in dialogue in the original series of kirk referring to the enterprise as you know his almost like betrothed or his responsibility right and so there's there's this interplay that the different captains have with their ships um janeway is another great example of somebody who really cares about voyager and um i I think it's funny because janeway uh, um she you know kirk sees the enterprise as his love and something that he needs to protect janeway on the other hand sees the sees voyager as like her colleague and almost like her only peer like the only other thing on this voyage that has as much responsibility as she does which i think is really interesting so um so yeah i think there's a you can just definitely go down this rabbit hole and how how ships are characters and how they're uh how they all work together with the crew 
Well, we are going down that rabbit hole. Jim, Jim, ship his character. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add great comments from all of you. I, I think I'd add that uh, one of the things I always appreciated, especially about um, about the original series, I think, is the special relationship engineers have with their ships. I think uh, Scotty is always going on about the uh, about, about his wee barons and the the ship and the engines and every, just everything else about the ship. And uh, to where he knows, you know, he can, I mean, certainly the captain does because Kirk did, but uh, he could, he could, he could hear every bolt and every bulkhead moving in that ship. And like, he could tell just by listening or, or by feel probably what warp speed they were at, what was happening with the engines, et cetera, et cetera. And you get that, you get that a little bit with Jordy, and you get that with some of the other engineers throughout the franchise. Um, even I, I love that scene in Lower Decks where the the Lower Deckers are talking about the different engine noises. It's like, <laughs> oh no, it makes this kind of a noise. Oh, it makes this kind of a noise, and they just go back and forth. It's just this great riff. And it's a good reminder that like every ship sounds different, and even ships within the same class sound different because like every as they roll off the assembly line, there's always different tweaks and modifications that the engineers are making to them so that even though you know two ships might be of the same class, they're still going to be very different coming off the uh, off the line. And uh, I just I just dig that, and that just really reminds me about how how they are different characters. Actually, it reminds me. I don't remember what I was reading, but uh, it was something on the American Space Program, and they were talking about uh, refurbishing Atlantis and um, Discovery, and they took them offline for a while, and they were you know re- redoing the interiors. It was just a you know, and this book had statistics for all the ships all the shuttles and it, like each orbiter weighed different and had different internal components and internal configurations and stuff. And like from the outside, you wouldn't really notice because they're all, you know, they look, they look the same to a, to the layman, but like internally all the inner workings were so different that they were all specialized for different mm-hmm. types of missions and different types of payloads and different weights and stuff. And it's just like, uh, I could go down into the weeds on that kind of stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. And what I think uh, Thomas and, and Aaron have done really well is is translating that concept into Star Trek, especially with those ship write-ups you you two do for all the different ship classes that we do, especially for you know Utopia. Um, it's like, oh, every ship is cool and different and has a very specific role. Uh, but then even beyond that, you can even go into the into the next level of weeds and say, you know, three different saber classes coming off the assembly line, they could be given three very different mission parameters and, and be fitted out with different weapons and defensive systems and, and talents and stuff. And uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, Nathan did a great job on when he was designing the game was to have like your baseline space frame and then you add on the layers, right? You add on the layer of a, of a mission and then, uh, and then talents and weapons and stuff. And it's just like, Oh, oh you just get into the weeds on this kind of stuff all day. Oh, long. Yeah. What, one of the ideas I think I, I, I tinkered with at, at one point, it might've been really early on yeah. uh, was giving starships a trait that was their shipyard. Mm-hmm that they were built in so that, mm. you know, you might have something that's built at, at yo-yo dying propulsion in, in Proxima, which has a slightly different feel than one that's made at the Antares yeah. fleet yards. Good. Uh, might not uh, yeah. change the stats any, but it might change the feel uh, right. of the ship. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Aaron, that's a great point. And I think it just, re- it makes me reflect on the last seven years of the game. It makes me realize that we've probably underplayed the whole traits idea. Um, mm. In all of our in all of our officially you know released products and stuff, I, I kind of feel like we should we probably shouldn't turn the notch on that. Maybe even added more content in the game master guide right. and player guides to say like traits are really super powerful tools in your game because it can it can tell so much of a story and be you know connected mechanically to some extent. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, putting some really cool, interesting traits on your ship is, is almost kind of like giving uh, really cool values to your player character, right? It's just it really helps make that ship unique and uh, and distinct. Yeah, and I, w- I want to push ideas. How can we anthropomorphize our ships more, right? To get that, I, I love it when my players, when when our ship, the Pioneer, takes a hit and they wince. You know, it's not, it's not, it's it's like almost a flesh wound when something happens. And oh my goodness, and if a nacelle blows, that's just like you know sheer panic. So so let's talk about that because it's you know this isn't star wars this isn't ships blowing up every week and especially not the main character so what endears people to their ships what creates that connection do you think it is as game masters are riding their ship or players are talking about their ship in terms of affection like thomas was talking about Mm. um Um, i mean uh, i i think you have uh, you know, I think it's a lot of little things working together. Uh, I think, I mean, as humans, we we tend to anthropomorphize things. There's a great, if you know the TV show Community, I think the first episode that Jeff Winger has this great speech about how, you know, if I take this pencil and break it, nobody cares. But if I take this pencil, call it Steve, and then break it in half, everybody gets upset, you know? <laughs> um, and I think there's a certain magic to that with with starships is they have... You know, as soon as you, uh, before a ship is commissioned, it's called, you know, pre-commissioning unit uh, 134 or whatever. But then they have the commissioning ceremony and there's a phrase that they use, um, which is really cool. It's like man our ship and bring her to life. Uh, They literally say that when they commission a ship in the U.S. Navy. and uh, and when when that happens, it it stops being, you know, pre-commissioning unit 134 and starts being the USS Enterprise or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, it's just it's a it's a it's a trick. It's a, a mental uh, switch that we flip when we when we look at these things, um, you cross that threshold and now it's something that matters. Now it has a name and it will kind of come to life almost like a child. Right. As you get to you get to know it and you get to use it and you learn about it. Um, and that it starts, you start to weave all these stories in your head about, uh, this is, you know, she's good in the straightaways, but hard on the turns, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Names are important. Um, so if you want to make a connection with your players and your ship, uh, uh, understanding the name that you choose for your starship is important. Um, because you can, Michael, you have USS Grissom behind you. Why is Grissom important as a name? Grissom, you know, Apollo one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right there. That should give you kind of like this person was important to the U.S. space program and died uh, a tragic death. But we learned from it and then rose above it and went to the moon. Mm-hmm. Pioneer in, you know, space exploration. You have a name is incredibly important. And stemming from that name, since your ship now has a name, never refer to your ship as an it. It's they, she, her, he, him. Yeah. Whatever I think you want to choose. Yeah. I think a special point in any episode, um, and GMs, maybe you need to do this early on to start that bonding process is go behind that name and talk about it. I know one of the first things I did in my game was create a, a placard, um, a 
mm-hmm. for the ship with a quote from Arthur B. Sloan about pioneers so that everyone on the ship, before they even knew we were going to be tossed 13.7 million miles away, is mm-hmm. you're going to be doing stuff no one else has ever done. And I think that makes it changes. They even call themselves pioneers, everybody on the ship. ship. They, they, that's a special thing if you're called a pioneer. And that's a small club of people um, who get to have that designation. And then since with with Pioneer, you, of course, have the addition of the Pioneer plaque that was on the probes, uh, which is yeah. one of those connections to the past that suddenly you can you can go online and see an actual, you know, this is what it, it, it is. And there's a real one flying out there, you know, uh, make those little connections with the past, especially if it's a name that has meaning that, you know, is a modern type thing. Hey, I, I'm on USS Wasp. Great. There was a wasp out there in real history. Find some connections. Find some people that are linked to that ship in the past. And, hey, maybe there's an artifact on board that's there as like a good luck charm on loan from, you know, the Starfleet Museum or or mm-hmm. wherever. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about that as a game master or as, as a player and make it a plot point. Hey, I'm really interested in history and I think that's very cool and I can turn this into a scene. Now there's an evolution happening out there we should talk about, and that's AI in Star Trek. So AI starships. Um, we've seen the first one, right? Would it be right to say the Discovery was the first one, and then Lower Decks was the second one when it came to ships that were fully powered by AI? I'd, I'd say uh, Ultimate Computer, M5 Multitronics. Theoretically. I mean, because that, that technically was an AI computer, mm-hmm. and it was in control of Enterprise for a bit. Uh. And, and, and I guess, you know, Voyager, or not Voyager, but Voyager, uh was... Yeah. Uh, well, was I mean, you can make an argument for Voyager too, right? When when the yeah. doctor was in control, that mm-hmm. was essentially just a one program telling a different computer program what to do. Wow. Sorry, you just blew my mind. The, the, the doctor is part of the computer's personality, Voyager's personality. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's... It's really interesting. I I kind of wish that they examined the doctor. I mean, I I think it's really just an artifact of like when Voyager was made, but it would be cool to examine the fact that the doctor really is a computer program, right? He's a sentient computer program, but like Mm -hmm. he could go into any body. Um, Mass Effect did this really well. If you haven't played Mass Effect, but they they talk about how really it's the the thing that is alive is the program. The body doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know mm-hmm. that's something you could explore with a doctor or data, any sort of sentient uh, artificial life. And I think you know the 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 living ships is a really interesting thing. You know with Viger and um, you know the the Alito um, and. Uh, Let's see, I guess now Discovery, yeah, in the 32nd century. And there are players, I've seen players run some campaigns where there's a a holographic life form, like a the the Clear Skies campaign, they did Exio was their holographic first officer. And um it was a discrete unit from the Ross, but it was still, you know, integrated with the ship systems. Um so there's a there's a blurry line there that's pretty interesting. We've done that in our campaign with uh, uh, the ship's computer gaining sentience, um, and she had a she was a extension of the personality. Well, the, the an extension of the ship and the concept of the name of the ship. So it's Pioneer. She took the name Pi, and represented herself as like a 19th century exploring woman. 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the the melting pot of all humanity in in one form. And she was like a scientist and an explorer and grew through a few episodes that we had her, right, Michael? Yeah. It started off as kind of a, she was always <laughs> presented as like a 20 something, but her personality was very undeveloped, very childlike at first, and then quickly grew, grew through a few episodes and developed her own path. That's yeah, really cool. I feel I feel like the ship almost gave birth to this character and then she went on off on, on mm-hmm. her own. But then it left the gap where again other sentient life forms were starting to be born from her because it left such a wake in the bioneurogyopax that now we have a second holographic <laughs> program that is starting to develop sentient. Basically, what they did is she when Pi left, she left a pie-shaped hole in the system, and a holographic character went into it and then used it to develop further itself. So it's it's created where now people are like they don't know what's going to come out of the ship, but every every computer program and every hologram is potentially sentient because of this. And yeah. you know, that's a really interesting ship-related plot thread um that they did on TNG. Um, that would make a great episode is um following up on emergence. Um, Moriarty's, yeah. No, no, it's not Moriarty. It's the one where the 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 ship essentially becomes the the entire ship becomes self aware and it starts building these connections to different systems. So the sensor system is automatically connected to the navigation system, and it like pulls the warps the Enterprise away just before it would have collided with some quantum string filament the crew didn't even know was there, and eventually. Um, they go into the holodeck and they're like, we got to get to new vertiform city. And like, there's this like organism that's like growing in the ship and eventually Mm -hmm. it like matures and flies away, you know, but it was like completely, uh, it started out as just part of the enterprise systems became Mm -hmm. its own life form, became self-aware and then left. So like, Meeting oh. up again would be uh that would be a really interesting plot. I'm gonna have to go back and watch this one. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a good one. one. <laughs> There's so much great Star Trek out there that it's easy to it's easy yeah. to forget <laughs> from from here. And I mean, what we got 800 plus episodes now or something ridiculous like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's great, but it's it's just a lot of a lot of great content. Out well, there. and I like I like that. You know, I. I like the type of Star Trek where the technology does not immediately want to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Discovery, they had the, you know, the AI becomes self-aware and decides it's got to murder everyone in the universe, right? And right. I, I felt like that was kind of, that's not really the angle I would have taken as Star mm-hmm. Trek. Like, Star Trek is pro-technology, usually. So um, I think that's something cool about players' relationship with their ships is their ship, the ship is so many things, right? It's a companion, it's a tool, it's a community, right? Like uh, it's where people live. So, you know, there, there are a lot of ways that people can relate to ships and, and work them into the campaign and really, um, and, and help and like tell those stories um, and give you settings for, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. voice is is something to really work on as a game master too to make sure that when the computer responds the the computer responds in a specific way mm-hmm. um i mean it's easy to say okay well i can write the regular tng kind of computer voice but you can you can say hey the the computer here doesn't respond like that it has you know a a masculine voice or it has mm-hmm. uh, it, it likes using contractions or it it has a preferred way of addressing people. Like it, it, it'll actually 
tell you commander my response you know and then goes into the response because usually the computer doesn't repeat your name back to you or something like that but there's little quirks that you can do even with the computer response to make the ship feel a little different and more like a person yeah and um one thing that they don't really do haven't done a lot of in star trek that um that happens on i think pretty much every real navy ship is uh nicknames mm. right they'll give the ship a nickname that doesn't really feel you wouldn't guess, you know, just coming in from the outside that, oh, that that's, but sometimes it is like the biggie, right? The Enterprise's nickname and the, the Enterprise also had a nickname. Um, Grey Ghost. It, the Grey Ghost. Yeah. Like there's a lot of really cool options out there. And that's a really cool way to also like, if your players do something really cool and you want to commemorate that and add that texture onto the thing and be like, Oh yeah, everybody in Starfleet, like they go to a, a bar on a star base and it's like, Oh, you're on the gray ghost. And people are like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, you were, we thought the Klingons had got you, but you came out, you know, and like, it's just, <laughs> you can just almost like use that as an achievement or an award to people that they earn that nickname from doing something incredible. I, I think, too, uh, something that's underused in our game, which I want to start doing, it was written a new optional rule in Utopia Planitia book. I, um, and that is where the ship makes its role on itself by itself because it's automated systems. Mm -hmm. So we've seen that plenty of times where the ship is programmed to do something. And I think that's a great way. Let a player play the ship as a supporting character, um, you know, a couple of times and see how that works. And then not shameless plugging Utopia Planitia <laughs> again, but, but the, the mission briefs I did right in it are all ship specific. The sole purpose of each one of those mission briefs was to get you to know your ship as a person. And so there's um, without giving spoilers, there's just opportunities for you to really feel what it's like to be the ship in there. Um, and again, the goal on that when when uh jim asked me to do those mission briefs was the purpose of highlight the ship show off what a ship can do make them think in innovative ways so by the time they walk away from these mission briefs they're in love with their ship you know as a, as a person so um i think that has to be very intentional for the gm to do um because i have seen it where new players tend to let things blow up and not really care and i'm like <laughs> ooh, i need to do i need to do a better job explaining that this ship is their baby you know yeah Use use descriptive terms as a game master when your ship does something as it, and describe it like it's a person doing that thing. Like she 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 stumbles as she gets hit with weapons mm -hmm. fire, or you know, spin she spins and you can hear her you know hear her hull scream you know something yeah. like that as mm -hmm. things tear. Um, just because that that is what a character would do if they're hurt scream, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. It helps. Yeah. Have her limping away from the system, whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, but I think even we have a side, we have a sidebar about that in utopia and uh, just that, that just changing up that evocative language really makes a difference to get your, uh, your group to make connections. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add, and I know we've all touched on it is, um, you know, one, one way to get your character, uh, your players even more connected to the ship is to emphasize that 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 ship is is their home right and so if you get into a fight you're just not dinging you know you're not putting a dent into your car right this is this is your <laughs> this is where you live <laughs> like if you're in like <laughs> there's a very thin thin layer between you and certain death right like if something happens to that hole and that hole gets breached you're you're screwed right in in, in a very significantly fatal way and uh um that's yeah what one of the 
Yeah. yeah, one of the most painful episodes of me to watch for Voyager is Equinox. When when we first meet the Equinox, it's so painful that these Starfleet people that this is their home. You're like mm-hmm. walking into into a burning husk of a home, and it reminds me of like the fires that you see in Northern California. People lose their homes, or mm-hmm. there's a show, and that that same feeling. Whenever I still watch that episode, I was like, oh, there's no building this home back. It's just I I love how they made the Equinox a personality. And have your players describe how they decorate their quarters. Absolutely. You know, what, what do you do and what, what is different about your crew lounge or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what is the briefing room look like? What unique things are there? Um, just to give it flavor, flavor. Mm-hmm. And then it, you feel more of a connection to the ship then as well, because you don't want your quarters wrecked because it has X, Y, and Z in it. And I'm going to, you know, take that for where it is, you know, take Mm -hmm. that as far as it can go. Yeah. There's a lot of ways. I think, I think again, the ship has to just like, um, I know I'm a member of Delta flyers with, with Bobby Duncan McDill and, and, uh, Garrett Wong. And I know that Robbie, one of his pet peeves was any episode where everyone didn't get starred in some way that everyone didn't have a part. And so that kind of changed. I was like, okay, does my ship have a part in every episode? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To make it there. Cool. All right. So, so that's here's, a, a non, here's a non yeah, sequitur. I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just listening to you all talk and just thinking about especially the uh, you know the, the age of sail and how how every starship or every uh, every every um, sailing ship, not every but most most sailing ships had a figurehead, right? Mm-hmm. And then in, in Star Trek, there's there's not really an equivalent because because of the way the ships are designed. But I'm, I'm almost wondering if like the 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 custom crew lounges. Is, is kind of uh, uh, an analog for that. Because I think, I, I, I want to say that we've seen a, a lounge on screen that had a figurehead in it, like as a statue kind of thing, but I may be blanking on that. But any thoughts on uh, on what the uh, what the Star Trek modern day equivalent of a, of a figurehead might be? Ours has a wall of honor. A wall of honor, okay. It's a, for lost, we have it for lost um, pioneers. We've referenced it a couple of times, but there's a place where people can kind of, you know, they, they're they're there at the party at all times, even if they passed on, they're in the presence. And so that's something I thought was cool that the players created. Yeah, every, every ship, um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say every, but a lot of ships in the Navy have artifacts from other ships that preceded them with the same name where like, this is the the China from the original USS Yorktown that was saved from the shipwreck or something like I was saying that's exactly true, but it's, it's stuff like that. Right. And so it's like, and some of that stuff still gets used where it's like, Oh, we're going to pull this out for a very special, we have the Admiral on board for some reason or, or, you know, a diplomat or something, we're going to pull up, pull this out. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a. Uh, in in star trek like the motion star trek five i think in the in the lounge there they've got the um ship's wheel the ship's wheel right so Mm -hmm. like maybe that came from one of the the original enterprises Mm um you know there's a bell i think too there or in another i remember seeing a ship's bell and actually in star trek ship this Star Trek six, they also have a ship's bell that actually rings. Um, you know, have you heard the chimes at midnight or whatever? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so like and those naval traditions, I, I really encourage people to look up some of those because they're mm-hmm. really cool. They add a ton of texture uh, to the universe and um, and they those traditions really give you a sense of place um, and, and really build out the world and like anything that makes you feel like 
you're stepping into, you know, you're filling the shoes of people who came before you, which I think is really important for a service like Starfleet. And, 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 you know, we talk about the identity of ships and the names of ships and so much of the culture of a ship can be inspired by what the ship before it with that name did. And the enterprise is obviously the greatest example of Star Trek, but you know, there are, um, there's like a destroyer escort in World War II who took on a battleship, right? And like and like won or sunk this battleship or severely damaged it. And so for the rest of history, you know, every ship, like there's going to be a, a, a destroyer named after that ship, and that's going to be part of their motto is the heritage of that one victory. Um, and it and it's something that the the leaders, so like your command players, your first officer, and your captains, they can. If you give them those stories of like, oh, you're the third pi- USS pioneer to bear the name. Here are some things that the other U.S. you know pioneers did. Then um, you give them those stories. They can use that to motivate the crew, right? Mm-hmm. Like, remember what the pioneers came before us. You know, they didn't back down. You know, they fought off three Klingon warbirds and lived to tell the tale. So, by God, we're gonna, you know, history will never forget the name Enterprise, right? Like, so I love um, that legacy just for yeah. the reason that whoever has the Enterprise, you know, that there's a Klingon out there who wants to destroy it just to chalk it right. on there. To chalk it. <laughs> so, so inheriting those names can also be like, oh, you better be ready for it's it. Yeah. Threat as well yeah. as uh, <laughs> I, I almost uh, on, a, on a related note you know thinking about heritage and history and like tying the past to the present and the future i I almost wonder um if if like the engineers who are actually building the ships in the the dry docks and the shipyards if they would just like quietly slide something important like a good luck charm or Mm -hmm. or an important piece of heritage into the space frame you know without telling anybody right because Mm -hmm. it's an engineer thing you wouldn't understand but it's we know it's in the ship we know it matters and so, like for a certain, like for the engineer core on the ship, they know it's there, and they know that that mm-hmm. that that's a touchstone to other ships and yeah. to the history of the ships. Well, I, I don't know, like I I don't know for sure if, if engineers do that when they're building ships. I'm going to guess they probably do, but yeah, sure, because of course they have the opportunity, right? So kind of um, related is the yeah. on the USS Cole um, after they refit, you know, so the coal was hit by a, a terrorist attack and then they brought it in, they repaired it and recommissioned, you know, recommissioned it. But where that, where that, that boat actually hit, there's a little plaque and a memorial like at that spot on the boat. Right. And so that's another thing you can do when you're talking about customizing, adding things is if there's a, an important event that happens during your campaign at a specific spot that people remember if a PC died or something, you know, mm-hmm. you could totally, remember change the ship to uh account like to commemorate that that the happened there yeah. one, uh, one of the things to, to add on to that and i know i've seen it in some of your art uh thomas is if you have a combat vessel or a vessel that's more suited to combat roles nose art it mm-hmm. just it, it works nose art and kill markers mm-hmm. it might not be the exact best representation of what starfleet is but it, at the very least nose art makes a lot of sense or some sort of artwork on the outside of the ship that represents Ooh, first contacts. What if it represented first contacts? <laughs> Paint something on there. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, there's some you know what I'm things. saying? Like I, I love the P40 shark's jaws that yeah. I saw in one of your artwork. I'm like, because I love P40, P40 yeah. shark's jaws. But I mean, it makes sense on certain starships that are, especially during the Dominion War. Yeah, you know, it's all about the setting. It, yeah, it you could totally paint one of those on the side of that. So I did that for the Defiant. For mm-hmm. STO, we made a version of the Defiant that has a shark mouth, and we did some other. We did a um, 
uh, a Bo anti-Borg one that was called cooperative punishment, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but um, or collective punishment um, and some others. It was a ton of fun, mm -hmm. but I can see, especially if you're in a the Dominion War bug zapper, that was another one that I was yeah. really proud of. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're in a scenario like a war with the Klingons and Dominion, I think those rules are going to get a lot looser, right? Because mm -hmm. you just need any advantage you have to keep people fired up and geared up and, and mm -hmm. you know, focused on, on the goal. Yeah, um, sometimes you yeah. have to use intimidation against other forces. They need to know how many of them you've taken out before they think yeah. about engaging you. I think that would be very effective with Klingons. Yeah, it, it's intimidation, but I think it's mostly about unit cohesion and pride, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want, you know, you know, when you have the... USS Zeus coming in. It's like, oh, the bug zappers here. You know, those guys are badasses, you know, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, right? It's uh it can it can really kind of well, the up. reputation that the Sutherland has for being party animals. You right. Know, like, yeah, totally. Guarantee you that they have something on the exterior of the ship that's visible at the very least. Maybe not nose art, but you know. A teardrop, a t just one teardrop here in day cell. So Thomas, Thomas, I have to ask, is the is the bug zapper a call out to the uh, dropship and aliens? Uh it's you know, I wonder if I like if one of those things that I just saw and they just like lived in my brain. I was I uh, I, I the reason I thought of it, uh, overt reason I thought of it was that Jemadar ships are called bugs, like the Jemadar fighters are called mm -hmm. bug ships, or mm -hmm. at least when I was, you know, haunting the internet in the 90s, um, when they were new, I, I kept seeing them referred to as bugs. So I thought sure. Bug Zapper was a fun yeah. nice. uh, name for a defiant. Very nice. Excellent. Good. Okay. So I know we're on limited time because Thomas has a hard stop tonight. And I'm sorry, I got to give him time to spout what he can about being at the season three premiere <laughs> of Picard, which of course matches ships because we know a lot of STO ships are going to be premiered this season. So talk to us, Thomas, just fanboy with us for a second give it to us <laughs> yeah it was great it was it was a ton of fun you know it's always you know dazzling a bit to uh to be in the presence of all those uh, celebrities and stuff i will say ship related you know there are a lot of amazing ship shots in picard a lot of new ships i think people are going to be excited to see um some great looks at the titan they spend a lot of time admiring the ships which i think is kind of new for this era of star trek we don't haven't gotten a lot of that so you're going to get a lot of great like lingering shots on all this new mm. stuff it's it's going to be really cool and i i want to say um it was really cool to see is they actually canonized a few new sto ships including the pathfinder class which is the uss voyager a they have a little i mean this this is coming out after that uh after that episode goes live but there's a little there's a little screen readout that shows the enterprise f and the voyager a and the voyager a is a pathfinder class which is in nice. one of the sto ships we used in utopia Venetia. so that's very very exciting we see the voyager a shuttles in the last episode of prodigy yeah, I I'm wow. I'm really curious, you know, what it'll look like in Prodigy. I'm not sure if they if they uh if they synced up on that, but we'll see what happens. You would hope so, but I guess I guess they're all they're 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 their own thing, I guess. Yeah. What was your biggest star moment at at the premiere? Uh for me personally, I mean I this might not mean that much to some people, but um I just, you know, I got to chat a bit with Doug Drexler and John Eves or starship uh illustration legends so um that was logically was a pleasure when i get, yeah. get the chance to do that awesome that Super is so cool, cool. 
Uh, so, and just from, for my own self, you know, it's fulfillment. Did you spot Jerry Ryan anywhere in the crowd? Was she, <laughs> were, were you within 10 feet of her? You're obsessed, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was there. Patrick Stewart was there. That's all the cool. I, I, it's it's really cool to see the celebrities, but I don't know that I have a lot to talk to them about. So I'm yeah. I'm usually more excited about guys like, you know, John Eves and Doug Drexler, the the people behind the scenes in the art department who mm-hmm. are I. I have things to talk about with them, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just like, oh, you're really cool in the show, but like I I can say, hey, hey, this. I feel like I have an intelligent conversation with those guys. So I, I yeah. enjoy seeing them the most. Well, well, just so you know, I get the same feeling. Well, no, I'm not going to lie. Not the same as Jerry Ryan, but I get the same <laughs> feeling being around creators like you and Aaron and Jen and, and the, anybody we interact with, you know, when we interact with people from clear skies, it's the same because you get that same creative energy uh, and everyone's helping build the foundation for the next 55 years of Star Trek, which is super, super cool. So Thomas, it's so awesome, you know, that, that we get to have you here too, knowing that you're taking the lead with STO. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's an honor for sure. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. Cool. All right. It's gratitude time, it sounds like. So um, mine's simple. I'm going to shout out the old brick and mortars because we're all part of this great Star Trek universe, especially all of our great um, uh, brick and mortars out there. This time, Joe DeMarco submits Gauntlet Games in Lincoln, Nebraska. So go brick and mortar Gauntlet Games. Thank you so much for your support. Why don't we go uh, Aaron Thomas Jim for gratitude? Oh boy. I'm, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to honestly be grateful to uh, science fiction authors in general right now, because I, I, whenever I'm feeling, let's just say I'm, I'm feeling like creatively dead. There's just nothing kind of coming up over the past few days. I can find like a completely new author and like devour a book and go, okay, now my batteries are recharged. I don't have to, I'm, I'm not getting any ideas from it. But now it's like, okay, now I just have a different kind of look on the world because of something that I that I read and it's made me think. So hey, it science fiction authors out there, thank you, all of you. Sweet. Absolutely. Thomas. What about you? Yeah. Uh, I want to thank uh Dave Blass and Brian Tatoski. So Dave Blass is a production designer on Star Trek Picard. Brian mm-hmm. Tatoski is a VFX supervisor. And these two gentlemen were instrumental in in getting the STO ships in into Picard and um and by extension into the Topu Panisha. Um and the Ross that uh, started out as a Star Trek adventure ship, you know, they ended up using that in Picard, so it got canonized. So um, so I'm very, very grateful that they were willing uh, and open to working with us. Um, you know, they had an open mind about it. A lot of people, I think, would say, oh, that's a silly video game, you know, not giving giving us the time of day. But um, oh. but you know, those guys are great. So I just wanted to give them a shout out and say thanks. They get it. That's awesome. Shout out. All right, Jim, take us, take us out. Uh, I want to thank uh, I think uh, Aaron and uh, Thomas for coming on the show again. Really appreciate it. Love he- love hearing your insights. Love having you here. Uh, you uh, you inspire me every day, whether you know it or not, with your writing and your artwork and your just your your presence <laughs> on on social media and just like kibitzing back and forth. Uh, thanks to and thank you, Michael, for uh, running the show, keeping things online, keeping things on track, uh, mm-hmm. keeping that spreadsheet updated. Because I there there are days when I come in here to do the recording, like I have no idea what we're talking about, but I'm just going to riff. <laughs> And Riff and have a good time. And I go, oh, hey, look, Thomas and, my, and Aaron are on today. This is awesome. Let's do it. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for keeping things on track. I, I know every uh, 
every good program needs a needs a person in holding the reins and you're holding the reins. So I, I thank you. you. And uh, I would be remiss if I never if I didn't thank the fans because uh, you uh, Star Trek Adventures fans and Star Trek fans in general, you are keeping this game going uh, now heading into year seven. And uh, we're, we I appreciate you. Uh, we couldn't do this uh, game without you. We wouldn't do this game without you because if you weren't there, then why would we do it? And uh, so thank you uh, to all the fans, as always. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Good. The conversation will continue. IDIC. Uh, live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll Bye, see you all everybody. soon. Thank you, everybody. See you next time.